0: did we just they're literally they they have the most (laughs) disgusted look on their face right now not our vampire friends welcome everybody every dog in the neighborhood is up it is your favorite podcast it starts that rock Mm -hmm. podcast where we exchange two pieces of life-changing advice that we squeeze into about oh i don't know 30 minutes or so somewhere in that ballpark jim we have a Brilliant sponsor. Yeah? Who is it today? this episode. Today's sponsor, Lipton Cup of Soup for One. No. It is. Nice. The one and only classic. It's great for dip, burgers, meatloaf, roasted potatoes, and much, much more, Jim. It's Lipton's Cup of Soup for One. Dessert. Where can you get this Lipton Cup of Soup for One? <laughs> Wherever
1: soup is sold, Jim. Wherever <laughs> soup is sold. <laughs> uh, obviously... We've gone off the rails. This podcast Mm -hmm. is an awesome way to get some free leadership, Um, and we do that weekly. Sometimes you get two, maybe three episodes in Mm -hmm. a week. But listen, if you want more, if you're looking for something that uh, has a little bit more meatiness, some stickiness to the bone, we like to say, I'm talking about Certified Rockstar. Certified Rockstar. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've heard of it before because we talk about it every show. This Uh is our Edutaining Culture and Leadership Training Program where we have a half day and a full day and a multi-day and a virtual version you ask for it, we deliver it. Check it out,
0: CertifiedRockstar.com. Mm-hmm. And do us a huge favor. If you like the show, could you take just a moment, will you, and perhaps give us a rating? Maybe five stars? I don't know. Five stars and maybe a word or two, like amazing or fantastic. fantastic. Would sure. Be right. You rock. Whatever it's it is. 2 words. You do that. Gets us in front of more eyeballs mm-hmm. so that we can donate more money to... Cannonball Kids Cancer. Yeah, yep. that's who we support. I think you probably know that. Mm-hmm. You know, their
1: fight for finding and funding treatment options for kids who have run out of options is what we're about. We love supporting those guys. They're amazing. Check them out at org. And listen, we get it. We know how busy you are. Yep. You have a lot going on in your life. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, we just want to add to it. You know, yeah. we want to be part of that uh, that amping up of your life, personally, professionally, whatever it is, you know, grabbing those little nuggets of wisdom. They're hard to come by. And honestly, it doesn't even matter what you're doing right now. For instance, you could be bike riding in the Blue Ridge Mountains. This is high. Maybe you're sipping on a cherry vanilla Coke Zero. Mm, delicious. Or maybe you're manscaping. Ow. Doesn't really matter to us. We just want to be the 30 minutes you've been looking forward to all week.
0: Let's do this. Let's do it. Rock on. Our guest today is Matt Newman, who is a keynote speaker, uh, author with his book "Starting at the Finish Line." We had a great intro for you, brother. That we just wanted to go, "Hello, Newman," <laughs> which I'm sure you never ne- get.
2: <laughs> never heard that one before. That was a good one.
0: <laughs> you know, we're really about innovation here and just doing things that are that are really unique. And so we're glad that you uh, have never heard that before. We uh, listen a couple things about Matt. We just want to sort of um, give you some highlights. And of course, his full bio will be available in the show notes. But by trade, he's actually a financial services wholesaler. Um, At 39 years old, he was diagnosed with brain cancer, uh, a grade three uh, astrocytoma, I believe. And his book chronicles his journey dealing with all of that together with his family, but also has an underlying message about the importance of getting your financial planning in order. And now uh, he gets involved in some amazing bucket list items and travels the world speaking. We are incredibly thankful that you would spend a few minutes with us here today. So, uh, you know, we do things a little bit different here, Matt. We, we like to jump right to the meat and potatoes. So we're going to give you the floor. What is your Thought That Rocks?
2: Thoughts that mark. Number one. My thought that rocks is that we learned some of the most basic lessons in life at the deepest and the darkest of times.
0: Ooh, you're you're speaking a language that I think we understand. Tell us, tell us a little <laughs> bit more. Where did this? Where did you first sort of adopt this, and where did it come from, and how did it affect you?
2: Yeah, it, it's funny how when we go through life-changing events. We're given this new set of lenses that we're, we could be gifted to look through. We could have a new perspective on life and a better understanding of how fragile things can be. Hmm. And as negative as that can sound, we can often find that, that little light someplace that will give us a better guidance, a better, under, better understanding on, on how things change and how we can embrace that change. No, nobody wants to go through difficulties, but we're also often broken down to having a better understanding. Of how simple things can be. Mm -hmm. We get this new perspective on love, on life, on connection with people and what we're really able to do. But we shouldn't have to go through these difficult times to learn those lessons. And you start to get this feeling that if you could share your perspective and your thoughts and give the rationale of where they came from and how you were able to find them, grab them and own them, that they could do amazing things out there for other people.
0: Man, where, did this come from uh, a mentor of you? Is it something you came up with yourself? Where did uh, obviously you've had some some deep struggles um, health wise? But is this did this sort of come to you during this time? Was it a revelation that you had afterwards? Where did it sort of
2: where did it come from? It, it's interesting. So when I when I started in the financial services business, I actually graduated from the University of Delaware in 1996. Delaware, has,
0: I grew up- Delaware has a university?
2: <laughs> wow, not. <laughs> Not only does it have a university, you guys probably want to call it the Fighting Blue Hens. I like to call it the ass-kickin' chicken.
0: Wow. <laughs> right Fighting Blue Hens.
1: <laughs> You've so, offended two of our listeners. So, Thank you. Okay.
2: <laughs> so if you look at when I graduated, we were actually, it's funny. I was the first person in my family. I have a younger brother who graduated from college. And my father and my mother were waiting there and Maya Angelou. I had just given her her beautiful speech, and I remember my dad kind of pumping his fist, walking onto the football field, looking at me going, not bad. He gave me that look, you know, the pride of a father. Son uh-huh. graduated from college, and my father was a financial advisor, and my dad said to me, he goes, all right, buddy. So what do you want to do now? What do you think you want to do? I go, well, that's easy, Dad. I'm going to move up to North Jersey, and I'm going to join your firm. <laughs> And in my dad's extremely thick Bronx accent, I will clean my language up drastically for this podcast. (laughs) He looked at me and said, there's no bleeping chance you're joining my firm. And and every picture of me from graduation has this angry pissed off look on my face. (laughs) Like I'm just, they're still in my parents' house to this day. What he was, what he was actually giving me is one of the greatest lessons in life. He said there's no free lunches. Yeah. You want to join this business, go earn it, go figure it out on your own. And we'll talk in a few years, get licensed and do something. And as angry as I was and mad as I was, I was like, okay. So I started on the side of wholesaling. The mm. difference between a financial advisor and a wholesaler is a wholesaler gets the same licenses as the advisor, but works for a company that manufactures product like a 401k. Mm. mutual fund, an annuity. And then they go see financial advisors and try to explain to them why for clients they should use this in portfolios or whatnot. And I remember my father giving me three pieces of advice before I started. He said, number one, if you don't believe in the product you're going to sell or somebody in your family won't own it, don't sell it. Mm. Lose the battle to win the war. It's about building a relationship. It's about building trust. Number two is be honest with people. People could see through that stuff a mile away. Always be honest and have conviction in your beliefs. And number three is he goes, you got a soccer scholarship to college. Go use that same work ethic. Go out there and do that, and you can do great things. And I started my practice. I started my business. I was taking the lessons that I learned at a young age, things that were planted in me that made no sense. My mom was a teacher. My dad was an advisor. Education, finance. They made no sense to me at a young age, but now they were blooming. I was like, okay, I kind of get it now. And my mantra became our job is to have a plan in place prior to the negative. Nobody plans to fail, they fail to have a plan. Mm-hmm. And when you can give people good news at difficult times, you can alleviate regret, resentment and negativity. And I took that whole process. And I was going to carry that forward that our job is to be there for people when things are bad and have a plan in place. And in two thousand and. One, I became the number one guy in my company. In 2003, I became the number one guy in my industry. Whoa. And I, remember, I remember my father calling me in 03 going, not bad, kid. I'm like, yeah, doing all right. He goes, I think we should talk about you joining my firm. I said, no, you can't afford me any longer. That's <laughs> over now. I'm done uh. And And that's how I started my career. And I was gifted with this understanding of the basics of planning. And one thing I do talk about, guys, not to go on a crazy tangent, is that the U.S. education system does no – training for people on the basics of planning. When I say planning, I'm not talking about investing. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about when kids graduate. Yeah. What are your benefits? What's a 401k? Yeah. Simple things that we train people to go into the real world, but we teach them nothing about the responsibility of money. And what happens is people get sick, negativity hits them, and this regret, resentment, this anger builds up when they should be focusing on the fight in hand because we didn't educate them properly. Yeah. And I was very gifted that this was my industry, this was my craft, this was my passion. And my career really just started to take off and I focused on doing everything the right way. And I got married in 2006. My first son was about to be born in 2007. It was approximately nine months after I was actually married. You could do the math on that one right there. (laughs) And we were living down in Philadelphia. And about a month and a half before my first child was born, my dad sat down with me. And I remember him saying, what do you say every day? Our job is to be there when things are bad. Give people good news at the deepest and darkest of times. To have a plan in place prior to the negative. He goes, do you do everything you say? I go, absolutely. He goes, did you do the basics of planning? And guys, I'll tell you what's interesting. When people hear the term financial planning, they think it's about investments. Yeah. I can tell you it has absolutely nothing to do with investments. It's actually legal documentation. Mm. Your will. Your power of attorney, that mm. if you—if something happens to you, you become incapacitated, you die, your wishes are going to be carried out or your family is going to be taken care of the way that you combine together to make sure that that's going to happen. Yeah. So he goes, did you do your will? I'm like, well, dad, I didn't get to that. you beast mode, man. I just ran yeah. the Tough money. Yeah. Are you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> and he looks at me he goes, so you don't do everything you say. I go, I do. Oh. Oh. And he goes, well, you're taking on more responsibility now. So over the next two weeks, I did the basic stuff you could do on legal Zoom for twenty bucks. Yeah. I did the will. I did all this stuff. And the more I thought about it is I'm gonna be the shoemaker's kids eat, who have shoes. Yeah. My job is to make sure, God forbid, something I'm taking on more responsibility. Do not adjust is unacceptable the way that I portray things. Yeah. So I did it all. Two thousand ten. My father in law was sixty years old, got diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Oof. And my uh, my wife and my father-in-law were unbelievably close. I told you I grew up in northern Jersey. Dad was an advisor. My mom was a teacher. My wife grew up in mining country, Pennsylvania, very different upbringing. I'm the Jewish guy from north Jersey. She's the Catholic girl from a mining town whose father was a highway construction worker, and her mom was a janitor. They grew up in a 400-square-foot home. Yeah. There was this major difference between the two of us, but yet it didn't matter. Yeah. They were just amazing people, and we got along so well. And when he got diagnosed, my wife was pregnant with a third child, we had two children under three, and she made it her full-time job to take care of her family yeah. and do nothing but take care of him. Yep. Every day, she would drive him 45 minutes down to the University of Pennsylvania. First, he got his Whipple procedure. Chemo and radiation. She's pregnant. Taking care of him, what I saw was inspirational. Yeah, I saw a warrior. It wasn't about this. It wasn't about that. It was about being there for family, being there for loved ones, doing whatever it took to make sure you were able to give them some semblance of hope when they needed it the most. And It was an actual honor to be a part of that. Yeah. And if she was taking care of him and cancer is like a roller coaster it goes up, it goes down, left, to right. It doesn't care about our feelings. It doesn't care about our plans. It does what it wants, when it wants. And he was alive two and a half years later, which is a very long shelf life for pancreatic cancer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I got in this car accident. I thought I'd bang my head. I started to get these massive headaches and my wife had chronic migraines and her focus was on taking care of now our three kids and taking care of her father Yep. and four months later i went to the hospital with my wife i kept getting these what i thought strokes were in my speech i'd be giving a speech and all of a sudden slur and gurgle would come out of my mouth i basically speak professionally and the first time it happened it was weird the 11th time it happened it really started to freak me out Hell yeah yeah so i went to the hospital met her at the hospital i'm figuring they're just gonna tell me i banged my head in this car accident and you know yeah. Uh, I'll be fine. Here's what you gotta do. Yeah. My head's all over the place. I can't sleep. I have massive pain. I've never had a headache other than a hangover. So I didn't really understand, you know, why this was happening. And I remember the they were giving me all these MRIs, MRAs, they were telling me all these issues that were going on, and they told me I had a lesion on the left frontal lobe of my brain. And a lesion to me is like a cut or a bruise. So I'm thinking, oh man, I must have dinged my head in that car accident. Yeah. This is making sense now. After seven hours of testing, my wife goes, I need to go home. It's like three in the morning. I'm going to make lunch for the kids who are in kindergarten and, le- and under. I'm going to find my dad a ride for his chemotherapy, and I'll be back in like an hour. I'm like, take your time. I got to go sit in the MRI tube for like another hour. They have to put contrast in me now. Yeah. So the woman comes over with a uh, wheelchair and goes, come on, we got to do another MRI. I'm like, I don't need the wheelchair. Just did the Broad Street Run 10 mile or eight days ago. I'll walk. They go, liability, Mr. Newman. You got to get in. So I get in the wheelchair and they grabbed the clipboard behind me they go all right mr lumen now we gotta do mri mri mra and we gotta do a contrast we need to see how big your brain tumor is and i turned around and go i thought it's a lesion and that was the moment at 39 i was diagnosed with brain cancer wow
1: that is that is first off amazing and scary at the same time it's you know first off in in that story and knowing where that ultimately was going to lead as brant talked about it in the uh, in the intro you know first off god bless you for enjoying selling stuff i hate sales I'm, I'm just gonna tell you right now i've sold amway i've sold sodium bromide in pool supplies that has just never been my gig at all what the hell is sodium yeah, bromide you you put this uh, electrolytic uh, stuff in the pool and you put a current into it and it's for people who want to clean their pool without actually putting other supplies and it puts an electric current in water we're trying to sell this to people. You were I a, sold none in two weeks. You were a pool boy? <laughs> <laughs> no. I was a salesman by
0: sales I, sounds to me like you were a commander boy <laughs> no,
1: for a little minute there. No, I was I was on the wholesale side for a <laughs> Oh okay. that's how that's that how Matt and I justify <laughs> sales. Right. Wholesale. But but I think um e- even though that may have been my deepest and darkest of times, um, you know I, I think first off you starting in that realm and knowing what you went through The fact that what came out of that, and I know this about you now from your bio, is that you try and help people understand how critical and important the financial planning side is because you never know when things are going to happen to you, right? Whether this was not just your father, it wasn't just for you, but thank goodness that you already had that wherewithal to put these things into place. And I can tell you right now, I probably haven't touched a will in, in 20 years. I mean, I have one. but. It's way outdated. And I know I could go and get something on, like you said, on LegalZoom and for a couple bucks, just update that thing. And I don't have all of those ducks in a row, which might surprise you, Brant, because normally (laughs)
0: I've got
1: those things in place. But you know, share your story too, because I think you've gone through something similar in your family um, where where you and Matt have some things in common. Well,
0: a a couple of things. First and foremost, I I think you're right that we don't teach, uh, Matt, we don't teach sort of this financial planning of what that's like. I can remember back when I had a real job, uh, in the corporate world and sales and yes, uh, in the commercial (laughs) collections business and, you know, you start making really good money and then, you know, they offer you, this total comp package, right? It's your total compensation package. And at that time as a 20 year old, something hotshot, all I cared about was the money. You know, mm-hmm. what, What's my salary? What's my bonus? Um, yeah. I didn't care about any of the other things that were in my total compensation package, which is a lot of the things that you just talked about that they offered yeah. as part of the deal. I'm like, I don't care. I'm the same as you. I, I'm a 20 year old rock star. Why do I need to uh, worry about a will right now? Way to, way to bring me down, Betty. You know, I, I didn't <laughs> I don't want to talk about that stuff. I don't want to think through that stuff. I just want to know how much money I make so I can go buy my next car, and that that ultimately was sort of that attitude. But I think that it we sort of see that happening. And then, you know, similar uh, Matt to your story, our son uh, was diagnosed with a rare blood cancer back in 2012 and we spent, you know, 260 plus days in the hospital uh, with him battling and, you know, he needed a bone marrow transplant and he survived and and we are incredibly thankful for, but it's been, it's been like an eight year battle with kidney transplants and everything else that has sort of transpired since then. But um, you're right. It sort of forces you into worrying now about a whole bunch of other stuff, in a time when you should be worrying about something different <laughs> and that that, that you know, that's
2: a, that's a great point you just said there and first off i want to make this clear we're warriors, and we're a family of warriors. There is no somebody went through something. Yeah, yeah, We're all in this together. And we might not all be on the same path, but we're on a similar one. And there's a different understanding for people who have been on that path. So right off the bat, your family is in my thoughts and prayers, and we are all one big family together. And I wholeheartedly mean that. But I, w- I want to give you another point on this as well, too. And this is what I had a better understanding of. There's something called the downward spiral. We've all heard the story of the married couple. They're married for 50 years. They've been together forever. And... One of them gets cancer at 75 years old, passes away. The other one's healthy as a horse. What do you often find out happens to that other person six to eight months later? Yeah, they, they, pass, they pass away. away. Too. Yeah, they pass away. Because what happens is when you get instilled with regret, resentment, negativity, it draws you down the spiral and the odds of getting out of that spiral become extremely difficult because you're, 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 you're having this woe is me and I should have done this and I should have done that, all these things. The simple basics of what I'm referring to allows you to take on the fight at hand. And if I'm going down, I'm going down swinging because I don't have to worry about any of this other stuff. And where that hit me and I'll never forget this moment. There's a lot of things I don't remember as as vividly as I wish I could. But one of the things I remember is I remember my father-in-law who I call my cancer partner and my, my parents were coming over to the hospital to see me. And I turned to my wife and I said, Hey, do me a favor. Give me the iPad. She goes, yeah, they'll be here. I'm like, you know, like 25 minutes. She goes, do you want to watch a movie or something? And I'm plugged into like 50 machines. And I'm like, no, just give me the iPad. That's the moment I decided I'm not sure where this is going to go. I need to make sure everything's taken care of. And I went through my will. Yeah. And I went through my power of attorney. And I went through my life insurance, basic stuff. And let me make this clear to anybody who's <clears> listening. <throat> it's not about how much money you have. It's about alleviating the negativity that comes with, I should have done this. Yeah. I didn't know about this. And I never forget, I realized at that moment that every speech I had ever given in my career was actually about me. Yeah, yeah. I just didn't know it yet. Yeah. And when my father walked in, he gave me that same look like he gave me, and we'll quote University of Delaware again. How you doing, pal? Except the difference is I saw the fear. I saw the anger. Yeah. And I saw the the, how, the hatred in his eyes because in his mind – and my mom's, you have, your son has brain cancer, he's going to die. Yep. And I said, dad, come here for a minute. Sit on this bed. And I went through everything. Yeah. And I took that iPad and I chucked it. And I said, dad, there's only one thing on my mind. He goes, what's well, that? I go, kicking this thing's ass. Yep. I got this. Yep. And for the first time in my life, I saw my dad break down and cry. Yeah. And the reason I share that with you is that the focus completely for me came on fight and family. What about the people who didn't do that right oh god now i got to deal with this now i got to figure that out how we going to pay this how we going to do that when the majority of the stuff that was done is through some type of benefits probably at the job you have yeah that's the thing that by us not teaching that shame on us as a society
0: yeah you're right greetings from evergreen podcasts we're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Yeah, when when
1: do we get to put that back into, uh, you know, the public education system? Because, you know, we talk about this all the time right now. People struggle with communicating, listening planning, you know, whether it's financial or otherwise, I mean, these are things that we were all either taught either by our parents or there were actual classes for that. Um, And we're, we might be a little bit older than you are, but you know, these days this is not taught then it's just basically bare bones getting through. And this is why our test scores in this country have dropped so low. And they're, you know, you talk about needing an overhaul. It really needs to be in, in public education, honestly. So I think you're spot on. We have a friend of ours, you know, Brandon Hill, who yeah. is doing everything he can to ultimately put music and the arts back into school. They they don't they don't do that anymore. You're not playing the recorder and singing and learning like that stuff is way long gone. Yeah. I, I vote for the recorder and
0: never be played again. I've got one right That's here. Right. It's funny you say that. <laughs> 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 but
2: you you know, it, you guys bring up a great one. One of the things that that, that I try and comment along to is. I'm very lucky that I grew up in this industry and it became my craft because how would I have known any of this otherwise? But you said – but you guys said something at the beginning I want to touch on as well to you. We talked about uh, you know, the, the book. Can I share with you guys how the book got written? Sure. So for all the optimism I had – so when I went through the surgery, I was, I was gifted with this new look. I got operated on on a Friday. I had a full craniotomy. They had to pull my jaw out, take the tumor out. I wouldn't know for 10 Ugh. days the severi- severity of the realness that happened. You hear a lot about, about wellness and, and fitness and all that stuff. And I'm a really big fitness guy. I always have been. I went home on Sunday, and I 100% attribute that to being in good shape, eating somewhat healthy, and keeping myself fit. That Think of the bills that I alleviated by two days after surgery going home. So I I think health is unbelievably important. But what I started to do when I got home is I started to have this new look on life. And I realized I was given a gift. I was seeing things that made total sense to me that didn't in there. I was understanding how fragile life is Mm -hmm. to really live in the moment and appreciate the now. I was seeing my children differently. And for all the optimism I had, and this is just the truth, you're gonna push a lot of negativity, fear and anxiety down someplace. You don't get one without the other. It just doesn't work that way. So what I would do is I would jam all that stuff down because I was going to appreciate every moment I have as long as I could be on this earth with my family and create memories for them that are about them because I'm here and appreciating it. And when I needed a catharsis, I needed something, a cleansing to get that stuff out of my belly every now and then because you can only push it down so long before it becomes combustible. And I started writing. I started sending email messages out to friends and family on my perspective, my optimism, my belief, the, the better person that I'm becoming, that this is my journey. Cancer is just along for the ride. I own it. Nice. I will never be defined. I define my legacy. My legacy is by me. I'm not the cancer guy. Cancer wants to be part of my legacy. I dictate that, and I'm just writing and writing, and it became like throwing up to me. And I would get it out of my system. You guys are gonna laugh. I never read one after I wrote it. I would email it out to friends, family, maybe some clients that I was close with and and it was like, okay, good, I got that out of my system. And then I would go for a test or this and I would find this angle to do that. Four years into it, I had twenty thousand people reading my emails. Wow. Every day I would get, hey Matt, could you put this person on? Could you put that? And you know what I realized? Like cancer is like buying a car. You buy a car. You leave the lot. You go, get the hell out of here. I see that car everywhere. No, the car was always there. You just never noticed it till you had a direct connection to it. That's what happened to me with cancer. It affects every family in some way or another. And everybody's looking for that person that they could confide in. So when I wrote my book, I did not write it about financial planning. I did not write it about cancer. It was a cathartic thing for me to do to make me feel better. And the day it came out, I never expected a soul to read it. And one week later, we were number one in Amazon in four different categories. That's awesome. I can tell you what it taught me was people are attracted to realness and purity. They're sick of the shtick. They don't want to hear some canned speech. They don't want to hear any of that, that they just want to read something that gives them inspiration because of the honesty behind it. And I will quote Voltaire or Spider-Man, whichever you prefer. With great power comes great responsibility. That's right. I you prefer to spider then open your, I do too, by the <laughs> <Yes>. way. <laughs> right there. So you, you have to open yourself up that it's cathartic for other people to share with people who they feel is on a similar journey. And that's how this whole thing went down an avenue I never expected. Yeah.
1: Well, now you have a much bigger platform, you know, it, it sort of goes right in with your thought, you know, your, your basic lessons in life were when you were going through these dark times and now you have an opportunity to, you know, for lack of better words, to to lighten up other people's lives. And, you know, I can tell you for a fact, my story is nowhere near what yours or Brant's is, you know, and I guess darkness is probably relevant, you know, to to everybody that everybody goes through that dark tunnel at some point. I've shared this on the, on the show before that just a couple of years ago, you know, 2017 and 18, I was going through a divorce. I was having less gigs, less income coming in. I was in some Crazy business investments, probably with the wrong partner where I had no control, had moved like three times. I was bummed how all that was affecting my kids. And, you know, I think the lessons that came out of it, if I can use your quote, is, you know, I've got to focus on things I can control and friendship and trust and love and financial security. And again, I had to go through that tunnel to ultimately get to the light, get to the other side. And You know, I'm so much more happier now, for sure. But this probably leads, Brant, to our quote, you know, our thought, which probably fits perfectly with Matt's. What what is our thought that rocks?
0: Well, our thought that rocks this week comes from Martin Luther King Jr., and it's a part of a larger uh, quote from him. But the part we're looking at is... Thoughts that Rock, number two. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, those of you that are familiar with that know that it goes on to say hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And, you know, sort of looking at this and, and knowing your experience, Matt, of what you've been through and sort of watching you now, whether it's through your TEDx talks or whatever it might be. But you are trying to be the light in uh, for people in a very dark time. And I think that that is an interesting way to think about financial planning in that most people, as you have already sort of alluded to, is that they think about it very differently store sort of investments and that sort of thing. But to be able to be a light when people are in their darkest moment, um, is really a powerful, uh, place to be and a chance to have the type of impact that, uh, you know, we know that you desire now as sort of learning a little bit about your story. But I think that, um, it's an interesting concept for people to think about financial planning and how it's not just about money. <laughs> it's about giving people uh, this sense of security and a, and a sense of being able to allow them to focus on the things that really need to be focused on when there are these emotional You know, tornadoes swirling around during, during these times of incredible anguish. And, Mm -hmm. and it's hard to, to focus on the things, or even when you know, you should be your mind wanders off into these other areas about, is this covered? Is that covered now? What, what do we do? Where is this? I don't even know if they have a will. I don't know if they have, do they have investments? Do they have a 401k? Is this, you know, all of a sudden people are scrambling. And in that time, nobody has any sort of direction, but to be able to come in, and and be that light in that moment and go, no, you're, don't worry about any of this. You worry about the one thing you need to worry about right now and nothing else. Um, It's an incredible blessing to, to bring that to the table. Is that what your experience has been sort of following that mantra for you all all these
2: years? Yeah. And and it it made me realize things happen for a reason. Mm -hmm. I have no, no issue sharing this with you. I used to believe in irony. I absolutely did. And I had a life-changing event happen to me, and I'll share it with you briefly. I was, I'm was i in the hospital, and I had to get uh, an EEG put on me, which mm-hmm. meant they had to put all these sensors all over my brain and monitor them for 24 hours before they go into the surgery to make sure they don't do anything that could permanently affect me, and there's a good chance that could happen. So when they put all these sensors on my on my head, a woman was doing it, and everybody had to leave the room, and it was gonna take her a couple hours. So everybody leaves the room and this woman who's standing behind me, I don't know where goes in in an accent goes, Mr. Newman, can I talk to you? I go, yeah, I can't see her. She's standing behind me. She goes, can I share something with you? I go, yeah. She goes, I had a brain tumor seven and a half years ago. And the next thing you know, I'm feeling the scar on her head. We're having this conversation. She's telling me what she can do, what she can't do, what her deficiencies are. And we're having this conversation. And I'm sitting in this huge hospital called Capital Health in Hopewell, New Jersey, going, there is no way this person is in my room having this conversation with me, with the thousands of rooms that are here, if there's irony. This happened for a reason. And that was the moment I changed my thought perspective on that immediately. There's just no way that the that this person that's not her job to do that she's the person who can go to any of the rooms and do all the stuff and that changed my perspective on life and I started to understand that things happen for a reason and what could I take out of this to find the positive so I love the quote you used darkness cannot drive out darkness only light can do that I have no problem sharing this with you as on your website you got that beautiful guitar and I have a few behind me here as well too you know what I like in that too I liken that to one of my favorite lyrics of a Grateful Dead song. Mm-hmm. Once in a while, you get shown the light. The strangest of places if you look at it right. Yeah, mm-hmm. nice. You have the you have the ability to change. You could see that same light, but you could see it from a different perspective. It could mean something different to you if you're just open to change. Change breeds opportunity or change breeds complacency. I've learned how important opportunity is.
1: Matt, you're only allowed one thought on the show. You're giving us too much. <laughs> I'm, sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry.
2: We know Our you're brain. in the
0: wholesale business, but we asked for one, okay? My, my brain guess, can't my fathom that much awesomeness.
1: Well, I, I would say the the first part of the thought um, when I was looking at it darkness cannot drive out darkness. You know, before you even get to the light part, th- this is where society is right now, right? This is. You know, one country does something, whether it's for land or oil or whatever, and then the other one has to respond. There's darkness with that. You even think about an aggressive driver. You know, you would think that everybody's going to behave and act the same way. But if somebody's going to do something on the road where it pisses you off, you don't have to act a certain way. You don't have to flip them off or or it become road rage. If somebody treats you... yeah, What? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. There's actually something else that you could do, Brian. I don't know if you knew (laughs) that or not. You know, if somebody... If there was some... Jack wagon that was that was teaching you something, you know, wrong or treating you a certain way. You don't have to be rude right back. And I guess my point is, if you had a little bit more light in your life, you know, if you if you learned to, you know, the the turn the other cheek message from out of the Bible, you know, you talk about, you know, if somebody goes and slaps you on one side of your face, you know, you turn and give them the other one. You you have to think differently about it and and sort of move yourself into the light versus allowing yourself to sit there in the darkness. Do you agree with that?
2: I think that's really well said. I do. I, I, I think it's, it's how open are you to alter your perspective? Yeah. That's what I get out of that. And many people, we get set in our ways until something hits us that brings on change, which happened to me. Some people accept that change before something bad hits them. I, I think what you just said is pretty spot on and I I couldn't agree with it more.
0: Awesome. well i'm not gonna allow that to stand um that's how so, we end the show yeah. <laughs> i'm gonna ed- i will edit this thing right <laughs> we we make sure that guests always say something nice about me and not jim before we end um hey we talked about recorders uh, and yeah, grateful deaths. Yes, we've yes. run the gambit here that's right Jim with all of his recorder stories of thinking, number one, that <laughs> Every episode music I makes me want end. to vomit in my mouth, but that's okay. <laughs> this little light of mine, it, I'm going to let oh it shine. Gosh, did he just
1: say that? <laughs> I liked that,
2: by the way. I enjoyed that. I got to say that
1: right now. Oh, like ain't nobody going to wish it out. It, I, I, I <laughs> Now, whenever now I where do you end Whenever
0: then? I see this profound quote from Martin Luther King Jr., I'm going to hear <laughs> This little, little light, light of, of mine in the background? Hey, that, that was an anthem for the Civil
1: Rights Movement, believe it or not. I, look it up.
0: <laughs> I'm, go, I'm going to. <laughs> okay. I am going to. Yes. Well, listen. Matt's but still here? Matt is still <laughs> here. here. Surprisingly, here. he is still here. Uh, we can't thank you enough, brother. Listen, uh, you've been through some incredible things in your life. You've yeah. found a way to sort of... Uh, uh, be that light in the darkness right I'm. Mean, it, it is a chance that you've had to not just do it in your own life but for those that you serve as well and, and help along the way um, I love the advice that that you've been given I love the fact that your dad sort of drilled this into you from a from a really young age as, yeah. as um, you know that's what we try to do with our children as well is to is to teach them the way but, but wish more we're doing it give them that free lunch that they might think and the more successful you become the more that you want to instill that same hunger into your kids and not just, you know, hand it to them on a silver platter as much as, as a part of us wants to do that. That's um, nice. it's incredibly important for them to earn their own keep in that way, but how, what is the best way for people to stay in touch with you? Um, we'll obviously have your website and stuff on, on, in the show notes, but is there a social media somewhere you want to push somebody that way they can, they can start to see, maybe look at some of these TEDx talks that you've done as well.
2: Yeah, and thank you so much again. Guys, it was an honor to be on it. was such a – I was so looking forward to this. And the easiest way to – if you go on my website, and the reason I share that is it's Matthew, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-S Newman, N-E-W-M-A-N.com. I don't mind throwing this in there. The only person that calls me Matthew is my mom, but somehow that wound up as my (laughs) website, which is disturbing. So on MatthewSNewman.com, one. You have, uh, I've been on ESPN, done three TED Talks. All that stuff is on there, but it also has all our social media on it. Uh, Instagram, it's starting at the finish line. We're on Twitter as well. We're also on Facebook and, and LinkedIn. If you go on the website, there's direct contact to get to us as well. Wow. Also on there, and anything we could do, anybody going through difficult times, any way we could provide any insight or inspiration, that, that it's our absolute pleasure to do. And I can't thank you guys enough for having me
1: today. No man, it's our pleasure as well. And you know, we look forward to just keeping up on your uh, on your journey. And and thanks a lot, brother. We'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Rock on, rock on, pal.
0: Hey rock stars, thanks so much for tuning in. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe. So you Ever miss an episode? Yeah, and if
1: you're interested in having Brant or me or both of us speak at your event, whether as a webinar for a virtual event or in person as a conference keynote, contact us directly at thoughtsthatrock.com. Until next time, rock, rock on. on!
0: You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging.